the Art and Industry of Business and Living podcast, discussing conscious choices around business, money, life and living and creating a greater future for you and the planet. Hey everybody, welcome to the Art and Industry of Business and Living. Thank you for joining my podcast again. And uh, I'm actually at home at the moment, which is just got home and it's absolutely beautiful and stunning. Uh, you know, Australia has had huge amounts of fires and now we have huge amounts of rain. So it's beautiful and green and the koalas are actually getting back in the bush, which has been some really cool to see some of the videos that, you know, the koalas going out there. And I saw this video the other day of this woman who's gotten all of this uh, uh, sweet potato and potato and she's just put it all out onto the field so that the animals actually have something to eat because the problem is that their food has gone away too. So it's really interesting to see what I'm noticing is the level of communion that has occurred with the people in Australia and the animals. Um, we did have a lot of animals who died and it's one of those places that I get, you need to ask questions and be in the question of what's right about it you're not getting. Like I said, the communion that people have with these animals now is incredible. The koalas are almost like friggin' pets at the moment. They're like, the way they're walking up to people or crawling up to people and just like holding on to them, they're like dogs. It's, it's amazing. So, and yeah, it's been pretty amazing. And Sydney's flooding now too. So, you know what? We're a little bit extreme, Australia. But whatever you do, don't come here. <laughs> Kidding, it's beautiful. So today I have um, a woman that I've known for a very long time, actually, quite a while, Miss um, Marilyn Bradford. So welcome, Marilyn. Thank you so much. How long have we known each other for? How long have you been at about that? <laughs> at least one of the um, Sueño Azul, where we used to go for the seven days. Yeah. Uh, I met you there probably 2007. Right. Yeah, so we've known each other for quite some time. And Marilyn is based in the US and she's also the lead on Right Recovery for You and you've written a book called Right Recovery for You, which, you know what, at a later time, we should probably do a podcast on that at some point. I think I would that would be a good it. idea. Yes. But today we're doing a little bit different style. Uh, Marilyn came up to me when we were in, it was Costa Rica, I think, and asked me some Your questions. Wrong. What was it? Rome, C-O-P. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere where there was lots of people. <laughs> and, um, and asked me a question about my sort of, I guess my position uh, and work-wise and working with men, etc. And she started, she said, you know, basically was hinting that I should do something. And I said, Gary's always said that I, you know, that there's something in that for me, doing some sort of thing about being a, a woman in, I want to say in a man's world. And that's not totally what we, you know, quote unquote, believe, and yet that's how it's perceived. So I said to Marilyn, well, why don't you come up with some questions and we'll do a podcast. So here we are today. Wonderful. And, and the reason I said Rome was because it, it was so just astounding the way you were on the stage with Gary and Dane and Brendan. And I'm like, most women would be incredibly intimidated. And you were just being you, and you were happy, and you were asking questions, and you were laughing. And, the, and one of the things that I always look at in a situation like that is are people laughing spontaneously? And right. you were. You know, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, this is really different. I wonder if Simone realizes how different this is. Yeah, and I, I, I only realize how different it is when people bring it up. 
because the thing is too, it's like, you know, I look at Gary and Dane and Brendan as, um, you know, three people who I'm very close to and I've worked with for such a long time. And there is a level of communion that I, that we have that I would say is based on infinite being, not based on male, female thing. And I'm really, actually the first choice of possibilities class that I co-facilitated with Dane was in Los Angeles. And it was interesting on stage that throughout the class, Dane looked at me at lunchtime and he said to me, I'm so amazed at what you are being with this class and how you're being received. And he said, I never, he said, I know you. And he said, so many women I know have had judgments of you. And yet I see that when they get to have you on stage and in these classes, they're getting to know who you are. He said, I know who you are. And he said, but they're getting to see who you are and they're getting to see the kindness of you and the generosity of spirit of you. And he said, and I'm noticing that the women are so grateful that you're a woman and that you're being this, like it's being an invitation. And the way he put it, I was like, oh, I had not yet, I hadn't looked at that because I just go, I'm me, you know, getting up there. I don't think about being a woman, except I'm the one wearing a dress. Except I must say the other day, Marilyn, I said to Brendan, you know, I watch you three guys on stage and you sit there with your legs open, all comfortable and everything. And I'm like, I would like to do that. Because sometimes my back gets sore when I cross my legs or have my legs together. I've got to figure out something different from sitting on stage all the time. And I was mucking around saying, if I just sat there with my legs open, it's, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not. There are some things that you just can't do. No, exactly. uh, but, you know, when you brought up how long have we known each other, my first memory of talking with you was at Swainy Azul. And they had the separate break room. And I remember go, we happened to go in there at the same time. And I remember saying to you, Simone, I'm so grateful for everything that you do for Gary because you're the one that keeps it all going. And it wasn't like you were less than. Mm. You were just being what was required yeah. in that situation. And you said, wow, thank you. Most people judge me harshly for that. You know, yeah. and it was like it was so clear to me from the beginning that you were willing to be what was ever required to create greater. Yeah. And, you know, that I still, every time I think about it, I almost tear up because not a lot of people do that. So I want to just say thank you again for everything that you be and do. Thank you. And, and I've got to say, I've had some serious amount of help. Like, you know, there has been a couple of times, well, I mean, I was worldwide coordinator of access consciousness for about 18 years. 17 years and there was twice that I actually rang Gary and said I can't do this job anymore and he was like why <laughs> I said because I can't handle the judgments and he was good enough and great enough like he sat down with me and he went okay let's look at this I went okay and he said who and there was three people in particular that because you get I it's very interesting I find that a lot of the judgments I that uh, you know, projected at me is people have never even spoken to me before. And it's like, wow. And then you judge me, but you don't even know me. But there was three mm -hmm. people in particular that I, at that time, looked at as my friends. You know, there were people that I'd sit down with and have a glass of wine with and, you know, at an event or whatever. And I heard this stuff that they were saying about me and I was like, wow. So interesting enough. And I'd love everyone listening to this to get this. Please look at if you ever create this in your life. What I did, not, not, not even cognitively, 
like somewhere I went, oh, if I don't do what I'm doing and I don't be as great as what I'm choosing and I start to choose less than, then maybe, just perhaps, they'll stop judging me. So when I wanted to stop working with Access Consciousness as Worldwide Coordinator and do something of a lesser job, you know, and then Gary was like, okay, what I want you to do, he said, I want you to look at these three people's lives and have a look at what they've created. I went, okay. And it's like, not through judgment, just through looking at what they had created because they all started out with access around about, you know, within, you know, two, three years of me. And then he said, now I want you to have a look at your life and have a look at what you've created. And what I, you know, acknowledged was that I had stepped into a lot more and I had chosen a lot more. But the key thing is that I had chosen a lot more. It wasn't like I was the lucky one or I, you know, it's like won the lotto or something like that. No, I chose it and I used the tools and I chose it and I stepped up. And he said, now are they, then he said, okay, you've got that information. You've acknowledged that. Now what I want you to to have a look at is, are they actually judging you or are they judging what they have not yet created and might never choose? And that was one of the greatest tools for me because I went, oh, it's not actually about me. It's about them. And most of the time I find that judgment is that. It's about what someone is not willing to choose or has not yet chosen rather than actually about the person. So from that moment onwards, I, I, I realized that judgment was not about me. Judgment was not real. And that I made the demand that I would never slow myself down or I'd never stop myself based on somebody else's projections and expectations and their judgments of me ever again. And also surround myself by people who don't judge me. It's like there's a hell of a lot of people out there who are incredibly kind and don't judge me and are incredibly supportive as well and are a contribution to creating something greater, not just for me, but for consciousness on the planet. So that was the demand I made then. So cool. It really is because when we let ourselves be less than because of judgment. We, we're not a contribution that we could be. So, yeah. and, and so step it up, everybody. Yeah. Step it up, step it up. My sense of just a few things that I know about you is that you've always been willing to go beyond those projections and expectations. I'm not saying it's been easy, but I remember hearing uh, you talk about how when you got out of, I think high school, correct me if I've got this, if it's inaccurate, but everybody's like, well, where are you going to college? And, you know, um, are you gonna get married? And you're like, I'm going abroad. I'm gonna explore the world and do whatever it takes. Yep. So it's almost, like you, and then in the whole thing about being a woman in business in the man's world, it's all about the projections, expectations, and how we're supposed to be. So, were you just born that way, Simone? Did you just? I don't know. I think it's so cool. Like I I've always, always had. Yeah, I think I always had the level of adventure, and I I know that I wanted to see the world. Like the world to me was like whoa, it was just waiting for me to, to discover it. Uh, and you know, I grew up with my brother and he, his point of view was, why would you want to leave Australia? And it wasn't that I wanted to leave Australia. I didn't like Australia. I friggin' love Australia. Chris Hughes and I were just saying this morning, I went and had breakfast with him and we were like, God, I love this place. And I will always call Australia home no matter how much I travel. Yet I knew that there was a whole world out there for me to see. And you know, at that stage, it was probably more about 
things like music that I was interested in. I really liked theatre that I wanted to go and see. And at school, I studied ancient history, European history, Australian history, modern history, because I didn't like science. So I did all essay subjects and history subjects. So I really wanted to go and see, you know, like things in Germany. I wanted to go and see the Berlin Wall. I wanted to go and see where Hitler's bunker was instead of just uh, learning about it in textbooks. So in London, was a massive call to me, which now I realize too, is that place of when you look at that, when something's a massive call, I always ask, okay, so who was I there before and what do I know about this place? Because usually if you have that pull to somewhere or you have a great resistance, it's like you've been there before and it's like, who were you? What did you do? You know, how much fun did you have or did you get killed, etc.? And I find that really interesting traveling around the world. And the thing is when, when, you asked that question, Marilyn, it's interesting because you just look at yourself as you. And like at school, I, I was a sports captain, which is you only have four of them in year 12, our four, you know, four, four sports captains, and they're actually voted in by the school. So the teachers have nothing to do with it. The authorities have nothing to do with it. It's voted in by the school. The whole entire school votes for you. And I got that. And the school didn't like it because I was not exactly the good child. I was a little naughty, you know, every now and then. So it was the first year that they tried to abolish that the, that the school actually could get voted in the sports captains because there was three of us. We were all friends and we all got voted in the sports captains and they were like, mm, I'm not so sure about this. Because once you, the rule was when you were a sports captain, you got automatic prefect. And the prefect is supposed to be, you know, the goody two-shoes sort of thing. And they're like, how can you guys be prefects? Anyway, they ended up not doing it. We ended up getting prefect and doing all of that. And, you know, I was always at the edge of everything, even at school. I just always think I saw life as an adventure. It was like, what next, what next, what next? And also, what can I get away with? <laughs> was definitely <laughs> my rule of thumb. What can I get away with? Like, how can I push the boundaries here? And I think I pushed the boundaries with myself as well. Like when I left school, I got like three, four jobs and I worked my butt off over three months because I knew that if I was working, I wasn't going to be spending money and I needed money to, to start traveling. And US was actually the first place I went to when I was 19. And one of the first places we went to was LA and stayed at Venice Beach. And I remember going, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> it's like coming from Australia and then I'm in, you know, Venice Beach, LA. And, you know, I don't know if, if anyone hasn't been there or if you know about it, it's like that, you know, morning mist fog and like, you know, when the sun's coming, you know, going down, it's like there's some interesting characters that come out. And I was like, holy shit. It's like all these American movies are coming alive. There was a shooting down the road. It was like, you know, but still I was like, all right, was willing to function from my awareness and go, where should I be and where do I have to go to next? But always looking for what else is possible. Like what, what was the next adventure? Like one of the things I was telling on Shannon O'Hara's podcast the other day, at school, every year on my pencil case, I used to write the saying, imagine what you'd do if you knew you couldn't fail. Because that was what I, that was my personal mantra is what I grew up with, is imagine what you'd do if you knew you couldn't fail. Because I was like, there's got to be something else. I think I always looked at the world like there has to be something else. This can't be it. <laughs> so. But it also seems like, I mean, that's just incredible. You never bought into the cultural, the uh, 
what we would call the vibrational virtual realities. You never bought into, I have to be this way. Or, you know, when I was looking at this whole thing about being a, a woman in a man's world, the business thing, I was thinking about how, you know, women are like, well, we're still not paid as much as men. And, you know, we have to sleep our way to the top and all these just crazy ideas that people seem to buy into. But it's really about making yourself the effect of and making yourself less than and not being you. And it's almost like that never occurred to you, which I think is just incredibly no, cool. I, I, yeah, I, I always find that interesting when people do say that about the, you know, women's wages, etc. And actually last year on International Women's Day, which I think is the 8th of March, weirdly enough, I know that because I'm doing a class in Estonia this year, Access Business and Money, and it's on 8th of March and they're all really excited because they're like, it's International Women's Day. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but um, Stephen Altram, who is a gentleman that we work with, and I've worked with him for like 18 years. He showed up around the same time as I did with Access Consciousness. And he sent me an email last year and it was so beautiful. He's basically saying, Simone, I listened to all of these women with women's rights and talking about things that are unfair and things that aren't equal. And he said, and I've watched you for 18 years and there's not once that you ever buy into anything like that and you never seem to create it. And he said, I will send them to you to have a look at of how to be. And I, it was really, I actually saved the email because I was like, wow, I need to receive this. Because to me, it's like, I haven't looked at men as greater or women as less or vice versa. To me, it's like, who's good at the job? What's going to work? and you know who can contribute to this and that's always been the way i've looked at it that's amazing i mean it's amazing because it's so different from how most women function and so you also have you have so many businesses and things but you have this wonderful thing about relationships and relationships done different mm -hmm. so i know there's some kind of connection you know you and brendan were together for quite a while between the whole male-female thing and the not buying into, well, men are at the top and we, you know, they're always the CEO. Can you, I'm not sure even how to pose this question, but how does all of that work together? Well, I mean, so Brennan Watt and I do the relationships done different classes. I and mean, we just did one in Vienna, Austria, and it was so amazing and awesome. It was brilliant class. And yeah, we were together for eight years and well, interesting enough, the topic that comes up a lot is I was the quote unquote breadwinner. Like I was the one who earned the most money. I mean, at one stage he, he wasn't earning any money. He took like 18 months off pretty much. And I, you know, we lived together. He had a five-year-old son at the time or six years old Nash was, and we had you know, the dog. So I was, I was paying for everything. And, and I'm not just talking like food on the table. I mean, like trips to Costa Rica, you know, <laughs> it was in but the interesting thing was since then, I've had so many conversations with women who earn more than their partner and they uh -huh. struggle to pay for something. And I'm like, if you want them to go somewhere, pay for it. Like when did it become that the man was the one who had to be the breadwinner? And I mean, you fight for you know, women's rights, et cetera, but what if it's just two people who are willing to contribute to each other in whatever way? And it's like, if you're in a relationship and the man is earning less money, it's like, why the hell would you make him feel like crap for that? And that's what I see occur a lot. I even, 
I was having a chat to someone the other day and this couple, she was buying herself first class tickets and putting him in economy. And I was like, I mean, that's just a choice, but there's no way in the world I would have ever done that to Brendan. I would put us both in like premium economy or, you know, put us both in business before putting me in first and him in something else. It's like, that's just not in my world, but that's also a person that I'm creating a life with and we're continuously contributing to each other in so many different ways. Why would you ever treat another person like that as less than? And I guess that's the key. It doesn't matter if it's male or female. It's like, for what, what do you find so valuable about treating other people as less than? And let's do this. Everything that that is times a gazillion, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Like, is it a way of trying to prove that you are greater than? It's like, you are great. Like, you're superior. I am superior in so many different ways. The same as you, Marilyn, are superior in so many different ways. You are far superior in baking cookies than me. <laughs> and you know what I mean? But you've got to acknowledge the areas that you are great, that you are. Yeah, okay, I'm superior in this area. All right. It doesn't mean you have to do superiority, but you are superior in this area. So with things like, say, with Brendan, when we're in a relationship, you know, he was far superior in cooking you know, and managing our, you know, our investments and managing our renovations where I was superior at that time in earning more money and going to work. And that's what I love to do. So there's that level of contribution. And I think that might be one of the missing pieces when you look at something is less than, something is greater than, and that, that proof of doing rather than just being and allowing yes. that contribution to be. I, I get that that's what makes a huge difference. Well, and you just, you brought up something, a connection and awareness for me that I hadn't really had before, which is if women are saying, well, the men should be the breadwinners, that's the same thing as saying, well, we're not getting paid as much. And it's all buying into the cultural ideas. If you the buy your own cultural yeah, the stereotypical yes. ways of man and woman. So let's do this. Yes. So all the stereotypical, all the stereotypical projections and expectations that create the separations, rejections, and judgments of men and women, and what it is to be a man or a woman. Can we destroy and uncreate it? Times a godzillion. Right and wrong, good and bad. Pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And right now, if you're listening. Let's destroy and uncreate the relationship that you have with yourself, the relationship you have with all the males and the females in your life and everything that you decided they were today and yesterday, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And if you woke up today and had this, like this blank new slate and went, okay, so if I was choosing greater today for me, which is the kingdom of we, choosing greater for you is not about excluding somebody else or choosing against it's like choose greatness for you and it ends up contributing to everything and everyone around you if you were choosing that greatness and you didn't have to prove anything it's like what would you choose what would what is available to you that you have not yet acknowledged like if you opened your eyes up and actually asked for a bigger world what is available to you that you have not yet asked for and everything at that is times a gazillion Right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And how many friggin' reasons and justifications are you using to create yourself to have a small, finite, postage stamp lifestyle rather than the huge living that you could have? 
and everything at that is times a gazillion. Right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot online, shorts, boys and beyonds. Cool. So it, it occurs to me, and with just what we were talking about, and even in the beginning with the koalas, is you really don't do separation. And separation is what creates all this them and us and, well, you know, let's look at the group and they do this and we do this and we can't have that. But you don't really seem to do that. I mean, you it's like the wholeness in Australia, the wholeness of people putting out potatoes for the for the wildlife and and you know and that's a way you seem to be in the world that's amazing and also is doesn't allow for all of these belief systems of well I can't do this because they're a man and I'm a woman and blah 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 so well what I'm wondering Marilyn as you say that is what if functioning from awareness has no separation because mm-hmm. the awareness of what is available and the awareness of your choice creates your reality. You know, the action you take today and what future that will create, I get that actually has no separation. Right. So I don't, yeah, I don't get I've ever looked at it as I don't have separation, but every single day I'm asking for more awareness and I do my absolute utmost best not to judge me (laughs) and it's gotten better every single day you know i mean god i think of when i first came on to access and i had so many judgments of myself myself and my body and my money and my business and relationships and everything and i remember the first class it was the level two and three which is now the choice of possibilities which is one of the classes i facilitate now it was four days at the time we got a manual and I remember at one time Gary saying, you're not as fucked up as you think you are. And I got my pen and I wrote down in my manual, I'm not as fucked up as I think I am. And after four days, I walked out of that class and I didn't remember a word that he spoke about, but I remembered that. And from that, I started creating something different. I wasn't as fucked up as I thought I was. And I get that each and every day, I ask for more awareness. I ask to be more of me. And I choose, I used to do this thing of like, oh, I won't choose that because I've decided that's wrong. In coming out of that place of rightness or wrongness has been a huge freedom as well. Because now, I mean, the other day, even I was saying to Gary about something and I said, oh, maybe that wasn't my smartest choice. And he said, no, that's a judgment. He went, it was just a choice. Now what are you going to choose? And I was like, mm-hmm. good point. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> do something and not trying to make something right and not trying to go to the wrongest of you. It's like, if you're choosing something, is it working for you in that moment? It's like, right. then choose it, you know? Well, and I've been looking at, I, my sense is a very similar thing, but a different tool, which they all, but which is I've been really being as much as possible, interesting point of view. Yeah. And, and I was realizing that when I'm interesting point of view, there's no separation. Yep. You know, when I'm interesting point of view, it's just, wow, I chose that. Whether it's about me or somebody else, yep. or it's like amazing, you know, and it, it dissolves, it seems to dissolve. When I was thinking about this uh, conversation, I was like, well, if you're really interesting point of view that men make more money than women or that blah, 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 it, it starts to all dissolve. And that to me is, I mean, it just doesn't weigh anything. 
Yeah. Like, just, you don't, if you make it mean something and you make it significant, then that's what will end up controlling you. If right. you don't make it mean anything and don't make it significant, then it can never have control over you. It's like you, you, you acknowledge that you are the source of creation. It's like, right. so what point of view are you going to choose? Your point of view creates your reality. It's that friggin' simple. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I remember Gary saying, it's not, men and women are not the opposite sexes. They're the other sexes. Yeah. And that was really helpful for me. And that it seems to me that when you're being you, you don't see the, anything opposite. You just, it's something different. It's like, well, a yellow flower, a purple tree, you know, it's just, it's just something different. What would you say to women who are buying into all of these cultural ideas, whether it is American, well, I can't be, you know, they're a CEO because I'm not a man or it's, it's a, a country, India, or where there's even more prescribed roles for women. What would you say to them? Okay, so the piece about like America and Mexico, I, in some way you are dealing with these cultural values and it's like what, one of the things that I would start to look at them and it's like to me it's not this place that you can just change overnight. Could you? Yes. Do they do that? No. But it's like mm -hmm. if you start to break it down for them and empower them to actually start to look at what it is that they desire like the amount of women, say, with Joy Business that I've done, I've helped with the fact that they were married, had kids, and these, these intelligent women who then go, oh, well, I've just been a mother at home for X amount of years, so that time has passed. And it's like, no, that time hasn't passed. It's like you can still create something amazing. You can, you know, they had all these amazing generative ideas. It's like you could still create a business. You could still create revenue streams, et cetera empowering them to know that anything is possible, then you can do be, have, create and generate it all and getting them to have a look at what it is they desire. But I think the key piece is here, not from resistance and reaction and not from alignment agreement. Because what I see in the, in the countries that I've been to with the cultures like that, the first thing that they'll do is try and fight for their point of view and fight for their freedom and fight to prove that they, you know, can resist this. And it's like, what if it wasn't about fighting for something? What if it was about choosing something different? You know, it's like, uh, I just actually had a conversation with a friend of mine who just went to Russia and it's actually blown me away a little bit today that I, I didn't realize that like living in Australia and also being a straight female is, uh, it's because it's, it's illegal to be gay in Russia. And oh. they were saying, and there's quite a few countries in the world that it's still illegal to be gay. And they were saying it was pretty full on, like the, the energy there and how people sort of projected at them. And I just went for a run before we did this, uh, this podcast. And as I was running, I was like, huh, so what could I be to frack the insanity that, that is actually a point of view in Russia. And I was just like fracking the insanity as I was running that that is actually something that still exists, but not going into the resistance and reaction and not thinking that, oh, we need to change this today. It's like, but what, any, what energy space, consciousness, choice, magic, miracles, mysteries and possibilities can we instill in the insanity of these points of view? Yeah. And everything at that is times a godzillion, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. I mean, it's sort of like we've been, you know, 
choosing anti-consciousness and unconsciousness for trillions of years. And, you know, now is the time I get for consciousness to exist and reign upon planet Earth. And we're here and we're being that. And we need to do it from the demand of ourselves and the request of the universe and the engaging with all the molecules on the planet to create something different. And a lot of the times it is by request. Like there are things changing. Like, you know, there's a wonderful woman in Saudi Arabia who, I mean, there's lots of people in Saudi Arabia who are now coming along to access consciousness. And she, when she came along, one of the requests she had was that women could drive in Saudi. And we were at a class and we did some stuff and went, okay, what if we actually requested this? And within six months, women were allowed to drive in Saudi. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, and there's yeah. things changing there. So it's changing. So if we don't resist and react to it and don't align and agree to proving something or fighting against or what the situation is, then my question is what can we be to change yeah. this? Yeah. That's the way I would look at all of that. The stuff in America about a woman going, you know, men get paid being more of a CEO, to me that's just like, really? Is that really where you're going to function from? Like, what other reason and justification do you have for not choosing something greater, you know? <laughs> and so much of it, I mean, for some people, it is just information. I mean, you were talking about um, I mean, women's rights and all of that, blah, blah. I'm old enough that I was around when the whole feminist movement was there. And mm -hmm. it was all resistance and reaction. And all of a sudden, you had all these women showing up and like, businessmen suits you know right was, and even, this is crazy why would you want to do that rather than being them and being the contribution that they could be as yeah. being different or whatever so yeah and i think the women's the the feminist movement was an interesting time because it sort of screwed things up for men in a way they had yes. no idea what to do or be i mean i was talking to someone recently and i'm i'm you know, independent woman, I don't need any, like, I don't need to have that, you know, around me sort of thing. Like I don't need the man to look after me. And I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. I was traveling with someone recently and I loved the way he picked up my bags everywhere, opens the doors. It's like, you know, totally looks after me and treats me like a woman and treats me like a lady. And it's like, I will always receive that. And I think that's what occurred with the feminist movement. Then women started doing this, don't open the door for me. And it's like, really? You don't like someone opening the door for you? And men, they had a job to do, you know? They were meant to look after, after women. And then with the feminist movement, they're like, what am I supposed to do now? And it's like, you know, at the risk of getting yelled at, like, you know, like someone said to me recently, thank you for letting me open the door for you. And I went, oh, you can open the door for me anytime. But the conversation that we had was, that not all women let him do that. And I was like, wow, that's insane. Yeah. Cause it's so lovely being treated like a woman. I love it. You know, <laughs> I love it too. I really yeah. do. I just got back from Rome and, and London and I was just all the time. Like, oh, especially in Italy, the Italian men are just wonderful like that. They, they treat you like you're the only woman in the world. And as I said recently, you're insane if you think that you're the only woman in the world to them, but why not receive it and enjoy it at the time? <laughs> And, that, and that's it, that energy of being you and being playful and receiving. And there are, there are women and there are men, and there are obviously some differences and things like you were saying, you can't sit on stage with your legs open. But um, 
it's, it, you know, it's like look at, being with it as a joy and a possibility. And that's what I was so struck with when you were on stage. And I saw in Costa Rica too, but somehow Costa Rica was a little different. But it was just so massively apparent during the COP. So I, I really want to just express gratitude to you, Simone, for being the for being that inspiration and for being that possibility for people. Thank you, Marilyn. And thank you for asking to do this podcast. It's been a whole lot of fun. So I'm very, very grateful. And I get we should schedule one in the future for where I get to ask you questions about Right Recovery for You and the wonderful book that you've written. I would so love we'll that. Schedule that for the future. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to find out more about Marilyn Bradford, you can find her on accessconsciousness.com. And do you have any other websites? Uh, MarilynBradford.com and Right Recovery and Right Recovery is now in the hub. So we've really got some things going about uh, facilitator training. Awesome. Um, so we will do, we will schedule a podcast that we can, you know, work with that so that we can give people some more information of what classes are coming up, etc. as well. So but in the meantime, uh, if I'm not sure when this is going to be up and running, but uh, like I said, on the 8th of March, Women's International Day, I've got an access business and money class in Estonia, my first time in Estonia. And if you want to come to Estonia, that's great. If not, it's going to be audio live. And please go find an access um, joy business facilitator. You can go to accessjoybusiness.com. And there's some fabulous JCFs all around the world. And my last thing I would say is get your bars run. If you've been hearing me talk about bars or if you even know about bars, get your bars run again and again and again. It's like one of the most wonderful things in the world. I do not know what I would do without bars. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm getting mine done tomorrow in the middle of the afternoon of the foundation class. Wonderful. I love that. Cool. So thank you so much, Marilyn, for joining me. And thank you, everyone. And I'll see you next time. If you like this podcast, tell your friends, rate it, do all that sort of stuff. And I'll see you somewhere in the world soon.